some fun this morning. The, uh, the Lord is definitely stirring hearts. He's encountering people. There's a, there really is, just like Pastor Dave said, there's a fresh wind um, that's available for those who will uh, be willing to grab hold and, and uh, take bold steps and courageous steps of faith. And so I, I just, I, I believe that the Lord wants to bring breakthrough for your life today. So, uh, so lean in. Let your heart come alive in his presence this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, in this place today, Lord, we are gathered in your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're here together intentionally leaning our hearts into you, Holy Father. Your spirit is here. Lord, you're breathing on people and you're bringing life. The river of life is flowing and lives are being renewed. God, I thank you for the heart that came in today feeling uh, dry and weary, Lord, that you're refreshing them in this place. Lord, for the one who is strong and able and is already going for it, God, that you would add divine boldness to their walk, that uh, the great victories would take place through their lives. Uh, thank you, Father. And uh, so we just invite you now, Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe on this time? Lord, Bring revelation of Jesus, that we could see him more clearly, that we would know him more, Lord, that our lives would be transformed, and Lord, that, that you would release wisdom to us, God, that, that uh, our, the outflow of our life would bring transformation to the world around us. God, we thank you for that. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, last week, actually for the last couple of weeks, we've been touching on something, and, and uh I, I feel like we're, we're supposed to continue in, and it, it hasn't been the main theme, and so you're not looking for a point from a sermon, but rather the, the, there's been something that the Lord has been stirring among us, and, and that is the, the reality that a believer, a son or a daughter of God, is to take stand in faith, grabbing hold of the heavenly reality of God's goodness, of who he says he is, of what he's wanting to do, his will that is in heaven, that our position as believers is to grab hold of that reality and then live our lives towards the world around us that has not experienced that reality yet. Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven and that we as believers, our job is to see, to know that God is good, to understand and connect with his will, to grab hold of it by faith, and then to live our lives towards the world around us, manifesting that goodness in a world that has yet to come to know him. We talked about intercession and intercessor, somebody who stands between two realities, that you grab hold of a truth, the reality of heaven, and then your heart and your life, God brings you into the place where you're connected to somebody who desperately needs the reality that your heart has grabbed hold of in heaven. And you stand between these two realities. Maybe it's a child who's walked away from the Lord. Maybe it's a situation that desperately needs a miracle. Maybe it's a person that is laying on their deathbed and they're going home too soon and they're not supposed to and you sense and know this and so you grab hold of the resurrection power of Jesus that is towards those who believe. You grab hold of that and then you lean into and you grab hold of their situation and you pray and decree and prophesy and you stand between these two places until heaven invades earth. who you are. You are believers. The job of a believer is to believe. It's to see and perceive the Father's will and then live it in a world that's full of darkness and ignorance. You are a light 
a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are to reveal to darkness, to ignorance, who God is. We do that by grabbing hold of the reality of who he is, and we usher it into the earth. I cannot overemphasize this. I, I feel like it's something that our church is called to, um, that, that we are those who stand in between these two realities. That we grab hold of God's goodness and we refuse to let it go or compromise it. And then we live towards a world that desperately needs a touch from his goodness. Not ostracizing, not judging, but letting the river of life continually flow through us so that the world that needs that reality gets touched by it. So much more that we talk about here. We're going to explore it a little bit today. But one of the things that's been really heavy on my heart is, is this concept, this idea, that resource is in heaven and that need is on earth. That every spiritual blessing has been given to us who are seated in heavenly place in Christ. Yet, we who are believers, who have been united with Christ, who are seated in heavenly places spiritually, like that is your spiritual identity and position. You are enthroned with Christ. <laughs> that that reality isn't always the one that you see in your real natural life. In fact, it will be that you encounter need. But you know because you have encountered God's goodness, because you know, because there is a hope in you, because there is faith that is stirred, that that reality of who God is, that if God would just step into this circumstance, everything would change. That if hope would move and that faith would access, that that resource that is abundantly available in heavenly places, that that resource would be released into the lowest of circumstances in the most broken situations. That yearning on the inside, oh boy, that's the call of God in you. It's stirring you. You find yourself in situations that have great need. You could get frustrated. You could get upset by it. You could have your hope deferred by it. You might even find yourself talking bad about the situation. You might find yourself with a negative attitude, a stinky attitude towards the very situation that God placed you in. And the reason is because you're looking at the problem and you forgot about the resource that you're connected to. This holy tension of darkness and light is where you are going to come most alive. You may hate it, but oh boy, it's where life is going to flow the deepest, the most. The vast majority of us in here, the reason you're here today is because you have been transformed by Jesus, that you're here You've come to church to exercise this part of your faith walk. Jesus transformed your life. He touched your life. He saved you. Anybody in here get saved by Jesus? Okay. There might be some in here that you're, it's, you're pre-Christian, right? You're, you're not beyond it. You're, just, you're on your way. You're on the faith journey. You're not quite sure. You're kicking the tires of you know, the whole church thing. Like, is this for real or not, right? And you're checking it out. Praise God, you're here. We're so glad you're here. It's real what you're kicking right now. It's real. Okay? How did you get saved? If you got touched by Jesus, what took place? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? It says that you were, you were saved by his grace. But it happened through faith. What was the vehicle that moved the supernatural resurrection of power that raised Christ from the dead, where he is now seated in heavenly places, what moved that resurrection power from heaven were raised and now seated with Christ? What took place there? The grace of heaven, his power touched your life. What was the vehicle? How did it get there? Through faith. 
Now, I want to talk practically about this today because when you believe in your heart, there's something that takes place when you have a hope towards something. When you have hope that a situation can be turned around, you linger in it. If you had no hope that something was, that could turn out good, then you tend to withdraw from those things. But because you have a hope towards it that that relationship could be revived or that marriage can turn around or that person could be healed, that there's a hope in you that things will get better, that hope is part of a divine touch of heaven. This is something of eternity. Faith, hope, love, these things have a, 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 an eternal touch on them. You have hope towards that. And your hope will give birth to something. See, the substance of hope, the thing that you can see in your heart that could happen, if you will allow it to mature and to touch heaven's reality, faith will bring the resource that is in heaven into the earth. You got saved when your hope of salvation confessed with your mouth, believed in your heart, and you were saved. The hope that was in your heart, the hope and the belief, the substance of that thing came out of your mouth as a confession. And when it did, it was a vehicle for faith. It was a vehicle. It was that connection point between heaven and earth, grace, touched your life, brought healing, restored you, saved you. If you got saved in here, every person that has been saved by Jesus knows intuitively how to move heaven's resource into the earth. Because you did it when you got saved. You've done it before, that means you can do it again. You did it before, that means you can do it again. Anybody in here ever been touched by Jesus and healed? Anybody in here experienced God healed you? Jesus healed you? Come on, wave your hand. Be proud. Okay? Everyone in here that raised their hand, that person right there has touched heaven's resource of healing and experienced it on earth. That means their faith grabbed hold of something or someone else's faith grabbed hold of it and God's grace brought supernatural provision. That vehicle, that thing that you experienced in a healing or in salvation, that is the very thing that will transform our world. That's the very thing that will reach into your circumstance. Now, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your family's facing. But that experience is the very one that will transform your circumstance, that will usher heaven's resource into your moment and bring transformation. You just got to do it again. I want to talk to you today about being an intercessor, about standing in between two places, but I want, I want to, to, to take just a, a step before it to recognize what takes place in our hearts, the tests that we go through that, that are always set us up for a great victory, that God knows how to prove your faith before you find yourself in the situation where you have to access it happens every time God brings you into a test. That test proves your faith, and you move forward with resource. James 1 says that you should have great joy when facing trials and tests because the trial, because the issue, the problem, it is proving, it's testing that you have faith and proving that you have what you need to move forward. That if you fail the test, that God helps you by keeping you in the test. <laughs> by revisiting the test. I, 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 it's been a while since I found myself in the gym. I know it's difficult to believe, but... Um, but when, when, when you're working out and you're attempting to move to a new weight, when you're trying to break through, you know, you, you linger on repetition and you bring increase to weight and you're, you're trying and you push and, and the, the, the resistance that you experience in the repetition, the resistance that you experience, something in this experience adds strength to you and qualifies you for that next step. God knows how 
to help us so that we can step into the victory and the promise that he has for your life. And he does it by making sure that you're not lacking anything. Now, I want to read a story today. We'll illustrate from it. This is out of um, the, uh, uh, the book of Exodus. It's the story of Israel. We're going we're gonna to jump straight forward into um, Exodus chapter 17. We're going to walk through it. Um, step by step through the story, but uh, I want to catch you up to it. So while you're turning to Exodus 17, this is sort of catching up to the story. Israel was in captivity. They were in a slave state for 400 years. They were living in Egypt as a slave nation. The Egyptians were uh, held Israel in this state of captivity. In the midst of their captivity, they grew as a nation in population. They grew as families. But For generations, all they knew was slavery. All they knew was that there is a taskmaster and that they must obey the task. Their whole paradigm, everything, was slavery. Now, 400 years does not provide... uh, uh, You can see how this would create a gap in knowledge or in revelation. They do not have in any of their conscious memories... Even a single story of when their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather lived in freedom. They have a sense that God exists, but they don't know and haven't had this deep connective state. All they've known is slavery. Their children and their children's children have all been raised in a slave mindset. God chooses to bring deliverance to them. And is going to move them from slavery into the promised land. He wants to do it. He's going to take a group of people, a nation, out of slavery and this mindset that has them gripped. And he's going to move them into the mindset that can possess their promise. Okay, I want you to see that journey. It's supposed to take 12 days. That's how long it takes to journey from Where they start, on the other side of the Red Sea, all the way to the Promised Land, 12 days. They end up in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they keep failing the tests. God causes a, a young man to be raised, not in a slave household, but is brought up in Pharaoh's own household. If you know the story of Moses, how his mother rescues the child by placing him in the river, and he goes down a reed basket, and Pharaoh's daughter plucks him out of the river and raises him as her own son. If you know that story, it's an amazing, like, beautiful picture of God raising up this deliverer because this man, Moses, would not be raised in a slave mindset, but we raised in a king's mindset. His dad would be the king. He would be raised in a household where he's royalty, so he thinks as royalty. He can lead as royalty. He's able to make decisions as royalty. And it is Moses' job to bring Israel out of slavery into the promised land. And so God raises up this deliverer, and the stories are incredible how through miracle after miracle after miracle, God causes Egypt to let go of Israel, and they're broken free out of the house of slavery supernaturally. They're brought down to the water's edge at the Red Sea, and they find themselves looking at the vast sea, the ocean in front of them, and the armies of Pharaoh are pursuing them, and they're crying out to God that he would save them. In the midst of this struggle, God divides the sea. And the whole nation is baptized through the Red Sea into the wilderness. They are baptized out of slavery into the process of sanctification. They're going to be delivered of the old way of thinking so they can embrace the process. They can embrace the promised land. There is a baptism that they undergo and the house of slavery, the old nature, is broken off of them and they are set free into God's care, this connection. Wonderful and amazing pictures, prophetic pictures of salvation and what God's done for us. And 
The journey across the wilderness is a 12-day journey, and on the other side is a river, another baptism awaiting them. Baptism of a holy river, the Holy Spirit baptism is awaiting them, an empowerment to step into promise. It's an amazing picture. In the midst of this journey, this is what I want you to see, and this is where we pick it up here. God delivers them supernaturally. They have so many stories of the divine hand of God delivering them. They come through the baptism, and they're on the other side. And they're journeying unto the promised land. And in between, they find themselves in this moment. This is Exodus 17. All the congregation of the sons of Israel were journeying by stages from the wilderness of sin, according to the command of the Lord. And they camped, and there was no water for them to drink. Okay, repeat after me. There was no water. Okay, that's a problem. They're in the wilderness. They need water. You need water to drink. It's, an, it's a real issue. It's not a, it's not a spiritual issue. This is a real issue. Okay? They will die if they don't have water. It's a real thing. Look at this. The people then quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we can drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why are you testing the Lord? The people thirst there for water. And they grumbled against Moses and said, why have you brought us up? from Egypt, from the house of slavery, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. Why would God bring deliverance to your life in one area and then not completely deliver you from the things that are trying to kill you now? Moses cried out to the Lord and said, what should I do with this people? A little more and they're going to stone me. Okay, Big rocks crushing his head. That's what that is. The Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, take some of the elders from Israel, and take in your hand the rod of God, the staff which you struck the Nile, and then go. Therefore, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, okay? And you will strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. But he named that place Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or is he not? Okay, there's a lot there, but follow me for a second. They need water. It's a real issue. God brings them to the mountain, Horeb. There's a big rock on this mountain. The people are saying, did you seriously bring us out? Did God deliver us from the house of slavery to kill us with not giving us water? We need this life. We need the flow of the water. In that place where they need water in their need, their need begins to nullify their memory. Their need begins to rewrite the story they just experienced. Their current need causes them to forget and question whether God is with them or not. It's what it says. It says that they began asking the question, wait a second, is God with us or not? This place, Meribah, is known from that point forward as the place of testing. It becomes a byword in the scriptures. It's repeated several times, this story. In, in Psalms, I'll just read it real quick. This is Psalms 95 This was how David interpreted that. The byword means this, that you'd say, well, as the waters of Meribah, and the people would know, oh, the place of testing. There are other bywords in the scriptures, but when, when you talked about the waters of Meribah, we're talking about the place where people went through a test and failed. So they talk about the waters of Meribah. They're talking about God testing you and you not believing. Look at this. This is Psalms 95. David writes, He is our God. We're the people of his pasture. We're the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day in the wilderness when your fathers tested me and they tried me. Look at this phrase. Though they had seen my work, they tested me and they tried me though they had seen my work. Moses jumps up on the rock. He's got the elders before him. He takes the rod of God. 
which is the authority of God. God's authority in his hand, and he strikes the rock, and it says living water came out of it. What that means is that there was a stream of water that broke forth. It was living water. It's the kind of water that you want to drink. It's a mountain spring, right? It's, it's stagnant water, cistern water. You don't want to drink that kind of water. That's the kind of water you collect in pots and mosquitoes lay their eggs in, right? Cistern is a big hollowed out place in a mountain where the ground was lower and they pour water into it and animals come to drink it and they fall and they become bloated and now you've got to push the dead animal aside to drink some water. You don't want that kind of water. You want living water. It's coming straight up out the ground. It's a spring. It's a living water, Right? That's the kind of water you want to drink. That's the kind of water you were promised. That's the river of life. The river of life flows from the throne, and everywhere it goes, it brings life. That's what's inside of you. Take your hand. Just put it right here, right in your spirit, man, okay? This is where the river comes from. The river of life is in you. It flows out of you. The river of life flows out of you, and it's supposed to touch the world around you. Where there's brokenness and death, the river of life comes out of you, and it touches that place, and it brings healing, and it restores people. Life flows out of you, and it refreshes those who are going through a hard time. How does that come out of you? It's tested. There's water there. How does it get drawn out of you? The rod of God. You're going to have to stand in authority and break this sucker loose sometimes. You're going to have to stand in a dry place where your circumstance all say, this is not what we should do. Ah, what are we going to do? We're afraid. We don't want to move forward. We don't know what to do. It sure doesn't look like heaven on earth. And God brings you into that place. Okay. God's people are in this moment. Now, the water was already in the rock before Moses did this. God had brought them to this place because his plan was to give them water. That's why they're there. The test is this, that people so quickly forgot God's goodness because the need became so prominent in their mind. You fixed on the need. You fixed your eyes on the need and you forgot that he just used a tornado to protect you from the army that was trying to kill you. You just watched an ocean divide before you. You, you, just, you just had death and then life touched your life and you came alive and you were blind and now you see and you know that there's hope inside of you. Something has happened to your life. You got transformed. Oh, how quickly we forget when we're facing a new problem. That's why you're there, though. That's why God inserted you. You're there. You're in situations that are difficult because the river of life is supposed to break free. You are the vessel that's supposed to crack it open. God's people forget, and it says that they go through this testing, that God's testing them there, that they are testing God. Another version says that they are being tested by God. What's the testing for? To prove. To prove their faith. To get them ready. To make them ready. Why? Because two sentences later, they're in a war. Because, because just a moment later, after they're thirsty and they go, we're not even sure God is with us, they're about to face their first enemy who's trying to keep them from ever coming into their promise. Here they are in this moment facing the test. What it says is that they forgot that God was with them. So God has Moses take his authority and he strikes the rock and living water comes out and now the people are drinking and everything's good. The overcoming moment has taken place. Look at this. Man, I don't want you to miss this this morning. I know right now that it's hard. Sometimes you find yourself in a situation that is difficult to see where God is at. Sometimes it's difficult to know and to trust that God is with you, even because your circumstance is opposite of what it's supposed to be. Look at uh, verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel. It's right after this. 
So Moses says to Joshua, choose men for us to go out and fight against Amalek. And tomorrow, I'll station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought against Amalek. Moses and Aaron and Hur went up on the hill. And so it came about that when Moses held his hand up, that Israel prevailed. And when his hand was let down, Amalek prevailed. Moses' hands were very heavy. So they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book of memorial and recite it to Joshua. Okay? Why? (laughs) So he won't forget this moment. I want you to see this. The people of Israel had an opportunity to step through the gate of faith and be walking in heaven's resource. God had brought them to the mountain to give them water. He was not going to make them starve without water. Okay? He brought them there. He's your God. He knows how to get you through the situation. He knows. He knows how to give you resource. Resource in heaven, like, it's right there. The key is, how do I access that? How do I grab hold of that and bring it into my circumstance? God brings them to the mountain, gives them the opportunity. In that place, they test God, and in that testing, they discover that they really don't believe that God's with them. Didn't matter what they saw before. In their hearts, they couldn't believe. And so God used Moses. Moses has a kingly mindset. Moses understands that he can function as that authority figure. Moses has stepped into that. So God uses a leader to bring forth the living water, rescues them out of their situation. You may have found yourself in situations that it's over your head, and then God brings a delivery, brings somebody into your life, and their prayers unlock your situation, and next thing you know, you have a solution coming. But the goal is that you, yourself, would also function in that authority, not just that the special intercessors can do that. Not just that the pastors can do that, but that the whole congregation could do that. That all of God's people function as kings, not as slaves. You see this? You see this? The, the division here in thought, right? God uses Moses to bring this deliverance, but he's wanting the people to step into it. Everyone has access. So they find themselves now in a battle. And Moses goes up on the mountain. Why? Why is he going up on the mountain? Look at what happens. Every time Moses' hands go up, Joshua and the army are winning. That means the enemies are dying and they are being, they're prevailing. Every time Moses' hands go down, he notices that Joshua and the armies of Israel start to lose. Okay, losing means people are dying. It's not good. Losing means that there's a cost to this. Moses' hands go up, they win. Moses' hands come down, they lose. What's going on here? Somebody is standing as an intercessor, aren't they? See, Moses is reaching into heaven with the kingly mindset, and he's making sure the people of God prevail. And every time that Moses steps into it, they win. Every time Moses is, every time it withdraws, they start to lose. How many more people got to die before the church steps into this calling? Breaks the back of this disease. Breaks the back of this situation. Listen, intercession changes things. Intercession is so powerful. Intercession is what moves heaven to earth. Your faith matters. Your declarations matter. When you stand in a place of faith and you decree, when it comes out of your mouth, hope was conceived in your heart, but it's got to come out in faith. It's got to be declared. The scripture gives us pictures of how God's word goes forth and is accomplished through his angels. But the word's got to go forth. 1 Corinthians 11 says that you have a sign of authority on your head and that the angels of heaven are looking to see, is this person prophesying in faith or is it not? Is that God's will that they're declaring or is it not? Are you praying and prophesying according to what you're seeing? Are you holding forth on faith? Because if you are, the angels of heaven descend and accomplish God's will. 
The whole battle that's before us gets to be turned around as soon as the church believes and holds on and refuses to change the point. Moses is trying his best. Listen, young people, look up here for a second. It's good, it's all good that you're living on your parents' faith and prayers. It's fine. There is a transition point where it's got to become yours. Has to. The prayers of those intercessors around you, man, they're carrying through hard times. When you fail your test, thank God that there's somebody watching your back. Thank God that you have a Moses and Aaron and a Hur that have come into agreement, that are watching you and watch, you know, they're praying for you and they're holding you up. Thank God that's taking place because when it came to your test, you may have forgotten what he's done in your previous experiences. You may not trust or know that God's with you. Thank God for a praying parent. If it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't be standing here, y'all. My, my goodness, I had so many stories there. You'll just have to trust me. My mother's intercession was like Moses' hands, keeping the enemy off my life until I got delivered and saved myself, until my faith became my own. If you're a little tired, you've been praying, you're leaning into a situation, you got a hold of heaven, you got a hold of somebody that desperately needs breakthrough, and you're a little tired, grab a friend or two. Get them to come into agreement with you. Have them help you hold up your hands. Are you alive today? Your prayers matter, church. Your prayers matter. Your intercession matters. The church right now has to own this experience. We are in a moment where it does not appear to be a ton of water around us. We've come out of some awesome victories. We have come out of some, so we can look and go, wow, look at the hand of God on that situation. I'm talking nationalistically. I'm talking as a religion, as a corporate religion. I'm talking as an individual, family groups. I don't know what you're going through specifically, but I can tell you this, that God brings you through victory and he displays himself. And then those testimonies have to educate your heart because you're about to go into another battle where you're supposed to be victorious. But that faith has to become your own. you got to let the previous victories bring education to your heart so that that faith is able to be drawn upon. you got to own it. You're going to be tested. Our nation needs the body of Christ to grab hold of the heaven and reality. And no matter what you're facing around you, all that you allow to come out of your mouth is the will of God. James says this. He says that fresh water and salt water ought not come out of the same vessel. You are that place of miracle where the living water is coming out of you. God's authority saved your life. He cracked you open and you have a river in you. Your hope in your heart grabs hold of something in heaven and then what must come out of your mouth needs to be a faith declaration. It needs to be prophecies and prayer that align with heaven. See, because when you speak according to God's will, the angels of heaven, like Bethel, you are the house of God. You are the temple of God. You are the place where angels ascend and descend. There's a ladder sticking out of your head, okay? That ladder into heaven where the angels of heaven are descending so they can accomplish the will of God. That's happening through you. You are that place of encounter. You're the, the river where the river flows out of. You're the place where Bethel is, where the house of God is. You're the place where angels ascend and descend according to the prayers and prophecies in faith. So you see a situation that needs a touch from God. And you need the resource of heaven to be moved because all provision is there and the breakthrough is there and you know that if God would just show up in this situation, woo, it would turn around. So then what needs to come out of your mouth, the belief in your heart and the confession of your mouth, this needs to be faith because if what comes out of your heart is, man, I'm not even sure God can do anything about that. Man, I'm not even sure God is with us anymore. Oh, I think we used to be a sheep nation, but I think we're becoming a goat nation. Oh, we used to be, but I'm not sure. 
If what comes out of your mouth is not connected to the reality of heaven, then you've ceased to be a vessel that can bring heaven to earth. Your prayers matter. What comes out of your mouth matters. And so if that situation that you're looking at, man, if you have no hope for it, then the least you can do is shut up. I'm not kidding. Because if what comes out of your mouth is salt water and not something that gives life or something that helps other people connect to the reality of heaven, you're not looking for agreement with demonic. You're not looking for agreement with, oh, look how dark it is out there, how broken it is out there. Yes, that's why you're there. Grab hold of heaven. No more fear, none of this nonsense. That doesn't come out of your mouth. Grab hold of heaven. Look and see what the will of the Father is and then pray and prophesy. And man, you hold that place until you see heaven invade earth. Man, I, I got through like one quarter of my notes. <laughs> Vikings games at three? You're good, right? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look at, um, I want you to see, I want you to see one thing. We'll, we'll hit this one thing. Okay, then we can close it down. Um, in Luke 11, I, I can't go through the whole passage. Just, I'll have to just paraphrase for a second. Luke 11, Jesus' disciples are watching him pray. And they come to him and they say, whoa, teach us how to do that. What would you do there? There's a couple times in Scripture where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. This is different than Matthew 6. They clearly are seeing him move heaven. And they go, whoa, how did you do that? And then, and then Jesus tells them this parable and says... If you have a need, you know, the parable is a friend is visiting, it's deep at night, you don't have bread to set before him, so you go to your neighbor's house, and you go, hey, can you give me some bread? And the neighbor says, man, I'm sleeping, leave me alone. That your persistence in the place of prayer will cause your friend to get up and give you bread. And the parable is that we are supposed to persist in prayer because we know that God's not resistant. So even if a friend who is resistant will give you what you need, how much more will God, who's not resistant, give you what you need? This is the moral of the story. If you ask, you will receive. If you knock, it will be open to you. If you seek, you will find. It's the promise. Okay? God knows what you need. God knows what we need as a people. God knows what we need as a nation. Right? So you got to catch this. And so we should pray and persist in prayer. Why? Because there's delays. But you're not facing resistance. It's not God resisting you in the delay. So something's going on here. You ever wondered why a person who wins the lottery ends up going bankrupt? Have you thought about this before? Do you know why? I mean, it's like statistically, like if you win the lottery, it's not good. I mean, it's like, like the, the stories are pretty horrific. Like everybody that wins the lottery goes bankrupt and their lives get ruined. Like it's pretty terrible. All right? So, but why? Because they did not have the strength on board to steward what was coming. They had not learned to gather little by little and learn how to develop wealth and learn how to steward wealth and learn how. So when it came upon them, they could not steward it and they were ruined by it. So here you are asking for God to come and to intervene. You want the wealth of heaven to get poured out on a situation. And he's going, hey man, this ain't the lottery. If I pour out on you, if I do what you're asking, which I want to do, by the way, you need to be a prepared vessel. So what's the delay about? The delay is often about you. It's about you growing. 
The persistence in prayer actually develops the muscle necessary to push up that weight. There's something that goes on in this process. So Jesus says, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. You being good fathers, like even though, excuse me, even though you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the father, now listen to this, how much more will the father give good gifts? He would never give you a snake when you ask for a fish. He would never give you a scorpion when you ask for a loaf of bread or an egg. He would never give you evil or a painful process or poison when you're asking for deliverance and healing and a solution. That's not from him. So the delay isn't to destroy you. It's for your good. But check this out. So then he says, you're praying for the solution. And your father, being a good father, will not give you something bad when you're asking for something good. And then it says this line. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? <laughs> the answer is always going to come in the manifestation of the Spirit. Let me share this testimony, and uh, we'll close on it. Our church was, uh, we, we did not have a place to meet. We were meeting in a church building, and that church said, hey, we can't, we, we, we can't share space with you anymore. We need you to find a new space. And, um, and so I went to the church and said, hey, we got to pray. God's the one that told us to do this thing, so we know we're supposed to, but we don't have the resource um, we were a small church at the time. We didn't have money to, we, we couldn't renovate a space. We couldn't buy a space. We, didn't, we couldn't barely afford to pay a lease on a space. We just were, we were not that strong yet. And so we're going, God, help us. And we're praying for a building. We need a place to meet. That's our prayer. God, give us a place to meet as a church. And as we're praying for a place, a physical space where our church can continue to meet, the Holy Spirit prompts one of our elders. His name is Ron Olson. Prompts one of our elders with a word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom, a word of wisdom is that you get a specific instruction to do. And so we're praying for a building and the Lord gives Ron Olson a word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom was this. Have you ever prayer walked this region? Those two things do not feel connected. <laughs> Have you walked the river valley in prayer? 100 miles. Have you done that? That was the word that came to us. God, give us a place. Have you ever prayer walked 100 miles? These two things could not be further apart. I said to Ron, I said, no, I haven't. He said, I think you're supposed to do that. You're asking for a solution, and when the Holy Spirit manifests, what do you do with that? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit when you are asking? Asking for what? You're not asking for the Holy Spirit. You're asking for a solution, but what, how does it manifest? We get a word of wisdom to walk the river valley. So we do that. It takes five days total. We prayer walk the river valley. We finish with that prayer walk, and we had a real estate tour scheduled with some local real estate agents. We didn't have money to buy anything, renovate anything, do any of that anyway. I'm not sure why we're looking at buildings, but we needed a building, so we went to look at buildings. We go on this real estate tour after the prayer walk. And they take us up to this warehouse, and we walk through the front door of it, and I'm like looking around, like, this is pretty amazing. It looks a lot like a church. 
I say to the guy, I said, this looks a lot like a church. He says, yeah, there's a church that meets here. They renovated the whole thing and they outfitted it just like a church. So that's amazing. They're not here anymore. No, they're still here, but you could pay a little bit more and kick them out. Well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> like, all right, well, this was sort of a useless real estate tour, and we, you know, went home that day. I get a phone call from that very concerned pastor that we were about to kick them out. And uh, he says, hey, can, uh, can I talk to you? I want to hear your story. And so I share with him our predicament. We are homeless. We don't have a place to meet. We saw your spot. It's amazing, you know. And uh, he says to me, well, what day do you meet? We meet on Saturday nights. Well, we only meet on Friday nights, so why don't you guys come and meet on Saturday nights? Well, we're looking for a permanent spot. Well, we're only there one day a week, so you might as well have it for six days, and we'll only be there one day. This is the story that happens. I said, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And so for splitting the rent, we get the building six days a week, and they're there one day. We go to meet there the very first week, and that pastor and his wife are sitting on the front row, and they come to the service, and I preach my very best sermon, and, you know, we just do church the way that we normally do church, and he gets up afterwards, and he comes towards me, and he's looking kind of disgruntled or sort of, you know, I, and I, I was like, uh-oh, did I mess up here, you know, like I offended him or whatever, and, you know, uh, like I do, I'm good at that. And he comes to me and he says, he says, Jamie, he says, I just preached that exact sermon. I mean, scriptures and points, all of it, last week in this building. He said, he said to me, I don't think we both need to be here. He went home to his board and told them that God had them go to, it was Burnsville, go to Burnsville and renovate a place turn it totally into, and pay for everything in preparation for us. They gave us the keys. We had our new space. Look at how this happened. We have a need, and we're standing as intercessors because we know that we're supposed to continue to exist, okay? We're not confused about that. This is the will of God. We're supposed to continue. We have a need, though. We can't pay for it. We don't have the resource. We don't know how to even access the resource. We're seeking God for the solution, which is what? A building. But he doesn't give us a building. He gives us instructions. I want you to walk 100 miles. We could have been offended by that. We could have been like, what does that have to do with anything? I don't think this is the time for it. Can't you see we're in crisis right now? Blah, blah, blah. But instead, what we do is we follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We have a need and we ask. God's not given us a serpent or a scorpion. He gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit manifests with the word of wisdom. We take action on the word of wisdom. We walk the 100 miles and what happens? We get given a building. When you have, when you're standing between two places, you are looking for the prompt of the Spirit. And if you'll take action on the prompt of the Spirit, the resource gets released. Church, I think that God inserts you into impossible situations on purpose. I think that we find ourselves in a moment of history that's impossible from the world standpoint. And then God raises up a Joseph and fixed the economy. And then God raises up a Daniel and converts the whole worship system that was evil into serving God. And then God raises up somebody to stand alongside a leader and to prophesy and to declare. And then conversion takes place and God moves powerfully. He's looking for those who will stand between the reality of heaven and earth and not waver, not speak evil to it, but give voice to his will. And if you'll do that, you'll find yourselves moving in power. God will move upon you. If you'll obey his promptings of the Holy Spirit and you will manifest his gifts, you'll find yourself releasing solution for other people. God will do impossible and wonderful things through your life. Come on, you got this. He put you there on purpose. He's not, his intention is not a scorpion or a snake, and you don't got to worry about all that. You're praying for a solution? He released the solution. Come on, church, step into it. Come on, would you rise to your feet today? Just stand to your feet. I don't know what you're facing, but I know that I know that I know that you are one word away 
that you are one prompt away, that you are moments away from the breakthrough that comes through the Holy Spirit. I know that I know that I know that God has placed you in the lives of people who are failing their tests. That the rod of God is in your hand and that he's given you authority and that you're supposed to release rivers of living water for people. I know that I know that I know that God's testimonies of his goodness in your past that they prophesy over your future, that he's faithful, that he was not abandoning you in the midst of process. Would you turn your hearts to the Lord right now? Would you close your eyes? I want you to see something today. I want you to see that there is breakthrough right ahead of you. Breakthrough right ahead. You gotta persist though. You gotta persist. You gotta persist. Come on, the Lord is building up your muscles. Don't give up. Lead into it. Don't let go of that person. I know it seems impossible, but you might be this, the, the one that's holding on to them. They need you as a Moses winning the victory for them. Don't give up. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you that you're in the midst of this people today and that you're moving on their behalf. And so, Father, I speak over them a breakthrough, a divine breakthrough today. I speak courage into their souls to stand between heaven and earth and not to be afraid of darkness. Come on, you were created to shine. You gotta stand up though, you gotta engage it. Father, I pray for divine strategies to be released. Holy Spirit, that you would speak into hearts and you would show them what to do, that they might release the resource of heaven into situations. Lord, I thank you today for the person who's listening that's on their sickbed, but you're encouraged and you're feeling courage today to grab hold of what the prompting of the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Come on, grab hold of it. Obey, do what he's telling you to do. Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you here, that you're here. Father, I thank you that you would give courage to people to stick their, the, 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 the sail up into the wind because you're blowing, Lord. You're moving. God, I thank you that this day is not a day made for brokenness, but a day for champions to stand up and to release heaven on earth. Jesus, I bless your people today. If you came in here today and for whatever reason you've been far away from God, I don't know why you drew away from him, but for some reason you have pulled away from God. I'm telling you today he's standing here and there's been people praying for you and today is a day to draw near again because your solution is at hand. But you got to surrender your life to him. Let the confession come out of your mouth that he is your Lord again. Holy Spirit, would you encounter hearts today? If you've never prayed to receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you have been far away from him, and you would like to step back into the river once again, today is your day, I want you to pray with me. I'm gonna pray out loud, and I'm asking that all of us, every person in here, would you declare out loud with me? But if you are receiving Christ today, or if you're coming back, I want the confession to come out of your mouth today, because heaven is hearing you. It's gotta come out of your mouth. Come on, you gotta declare it in faith. Every voice in here today, would you pray with me right now? Father in heaven, Thank you for sending Jesus, that he died on the cross in my place. Today I choose to receive his death as payment for my sins. Come into my life, Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Clothe me with your power. Prompt me. Lead me. Enable me. Help me to be the solution for others. To release your kingdom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your people today. May the Lord bless you. 
May the Lord keep you. May he be gracious to you and grant you his favor and give you peace in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody who dared to agree with that said. Come on, can you give a good clap to the Lord today?